I'm Gab. He's Jules. Blue skies over West London. Uh, Jules, we're going to, we're big NBA fans. We'll be yeah. doing our own draft. You'll remember, I, I, we did this last year. Yeah. Drafting players born in 2001. We're going to pretend it's a bit of fun. Yeah. Let's deal with it. But before we get into that, uh, because we have a ton to go through because the transfer market's in full swing, I feel like we need to talk a little bit more organically about this summer, the summer of Saudi as we've had it so far. Yeah. Um, it began with Cristiano Ronaldo uh, going over to the Saudi league for an enormous deal. And people talked about, oh, he's going to raise the level of the Saudi pro league, blah, blah, blah. And then send them people like, ah, okay, whatever, right? Just, you know, Cristiano making a lot of money because he's one of the goats. Yeah. But then since then, some serious money's already been thrown about, around, confirmed. We have obviously Kareem Benzema. Yeah. We have N'Golo Kante. Um, lots of rumors and reports that Edouard Mendy's close, Ziyech is close, and so on. I want to start with one basic question. Because to me, this smells like China a few years ago. Yeah, it sounds a bit like that. Uh, is that how you see it? I, I don't think so. I think, you know, China was... Like, the, the, the Saudi league was a league with a lot of fans coming to see. I mean, you can argue about right. the level, what kind of level, what the equivalent would be in Europe, what kind of league, but it was a popular league with a lot of fans in stadiums. Uh, it was a league that or I thought had the potential because of the money behind it to, to do that kind of stuff. China, I remember very quickly, they changed the rules a bit. You were then only allowed three foreign players. They wanted right. to develop more the Chinese players, etc., etc. I think the, the objective here is very different, right? But the, the same thing is you've got government or sovereign wealth funds who are directly involved, funds yeah. that are controlled by the government, directly involved to trying to grow it. For me, the biggest difference why, and, and I speak of, you know, economists talk about people called irrational actors, right? People who aren't, you know, economics, rational. I get a return on my investment, usually in terms of money, well, sometimes it's in terms of influence or whatever. This to me seems irrational because it's irrational in the sense you can't spend that kind of money and think that you're going, your league's going to grow to the point that you're going to get a return. For the simple reason that, as you said, this isn't like, Saudi Arabia is 40 million people. China has more than a billion. Yeah. Um, they're already football fans. You're not going to go and convert them, yeah. maybe like the way they tried to do with MLS. They said, oh, let's convert baseball fans into football fans. No, that's not, it's not going to happen, right? There's only so much it can grow in yeah. terms of commercially to challenge the Premier League uh, and, and the big European leagues commercially in terms of an actual business that you know, is more or less sustainable. And I think that is what's making a lot of people uneasy about this and is what getting a lot of people, including myself, maybe wrongly, to assume this is going to last a little while and then it's going to fizzle out. Maybe, although you could think that if the big stars keep coming, then the, the TV rights, even in Europe, you would want to watch a game with Cristiano against Benzema and Modric against Ziyech or Conte. Do you see what I mean? So maybe then the TV rights would go up. Maybe there would be more sponsors coming and not just Saudi brands and Saudi big companies. Maybe sponsors from, from you know, around the world would want to be associated. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. And maybe, I, I, I maybe it's can... just a way for them to you know to to get a better image and more influence around the world to try to for people to not think about the bad things about saudi but think about the, how good the football is over there i don't know it might be a bit of all of that yeah no uh, and and that is that brings the other thing you know are, is this an image play are they trying or is it yeah. an influence play um personally i don't really think it's an image play because frankly 
the more you're kind of in the spotlight, and we saw this with with, with Cutter, right? Yeah. Uh, the more people are going to raise issues about human rights abuses, totalitarian governments, and whatever else. So if you want to be a really bad dude, the best thing to do is just control your country and not have an international no. profile, right? Yeah, yeah. Everybody knows who Jamal Khashoggi is, in part, you know, football fans know who he is, in part because of the Newcastle sure. takeover, yeah, whatever, sure. right? So I think there's going to be more questions asked there. In terms of influence, again, you're the world's largest oil producer. You're one of the biggest importers in the world. You're a major regional military power. I think you're the third biggest weapons importer in the world. You have... Like, it's not a problem for MBS to pick up the phone and call Putin or Biden and have them get on the phone with him, right? Yeah, no. So, I, I, I don't know. I, I could, think you, could you explain the latest, the latest controversy in a, little, in a way is that the Saudis who own Newcastle uh, and 90% of the shares might also be involved in the Chelsea takeover via Clear Lake. And I think people are getting bugged up about yeah. that. So, one of the things is the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia who... Uh, own the majority of Newcastle. Uh, they are investors in Clear Lake, which is this massive fund, which has 60% roughly of the Chelsea shares. Uh, so the thinking is, oh, is this a way for Saudi to kind of help Chelsea out by taking these players, Ziyech, Mendy, whatever, paying transfer fees. Chelsea obviously in a difficult financial position. Yeah. I don't think that's the case for the simple reason that Um, Clear Lake is audited. Nobody at Clear Lake has more than 5% of the shares. Yeah. So PIF simply can't influence Clear Lake to that degree. Yeah. Would they want to do Boley a favor uh, for other reasons? Maybe, but again, you got to get a return somehow, right? Mm. You are running a business, right? And, uh, and you want Newcastle to win more than Chelsea, right? If you're, I, I would assume your brand is Newcastle. Exactly, yeah, not, not Chelsea, Chelsea. Uh, but certainly more so. So anyway, it's complicated. We will be monitoring uh, this story all summer long. All right, Jules, we're going to do something which has become a tradition yes. on the Gab and Jules show in the sense that it's the second year that we do this. Tonight is the NBA draft, and so therefore we're going to do our own football yes. draft, sort of an NBA draft equivalent. Uh, the rules are we can only pick players, we'll pick a, a top 10 initially, of players born in 2001. Okay. Uh, I know players of all ages enter the NBA draft or whatever. No, we stick This to 01, different. yeah? We stick it to 01, okay. the way it was in the olden days of the NBA. Exactly. Only seniors. Were, were eligible. I think yeah. that was what? Pre-Magic Johnson. So yeah. a long, long time ago. Um, we need to establish, though, who picks first. And we're going to go, you go first, and then the next guy gets two pick, and then okay. the, guy, the next guy gets two picks to make it fair, right? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. All right, we're going to do rock, paper, scissors yeah. for this. Yeah. You ready? Go. One, two, three. Oh, I got scissors. You got paper. Scissors. Yeah. Shreds. Uh, paper. Okay, you can start. It's okay. I started last year, so it's okay. That's fine. I so, I already have... Still going to win. Yeah, okay. Right, I already have my, my first pick lined up because I've been negotiating for a long time. Okay. And you won't be surprised to hear it is Arsenal's Bukayo Saka. Oh, I'm a bit surprised because I thought you were going to go with my first pick. Who is Gvaradona, of course. Oh, I could have Gvaras traded him for you. Gvaraskelia is my first pick. And my second pick is Rodrigo from Real Madrid. Here you go. Rodrigo, eh? Yeah. Okay. Um, so three picks in. We've got Saka, Kvartskelia, and Rodrigo. Uh, at number four and five, 
I am going to, I'm going to stay in London, okay. I think. Uh, I'm going to pick Enzo Fernandez. Not my favorite, but at four, I can, I yeah. can, I'll take him. Fair enough. I'll take him. And I am so tempted to pick Moises Caicedo to have just a total badass midfield. But Best. I feel like I need some help at the back. So I'm going to pick the very tall William Saliba. Oh, no! I wanted Saliba, man. Okay. So I'm going for Caicedo. Of course, as my uh, third pick and the number six in our draft. And number seven will be Julian Timber. Ooh, stiffening up the defense there. Yes. All right. Now we're getting down here a little bit at eight and nine. I still, I still see some talent out there. I'm going to pick. All right. So I need a guy to score the goals. And I think I need another winger as well. So I am going to go and, and, and play it safe, I think, with Gonzalo Ramos as my center forward. Good pick. Not many summer center forwards in this draft, I might add. And I will go for, ooh, do I go with Gabriel Martinelli or Mikhailo Mudrik? Hmm. Based on recent form, I think I know how I'd go for But I'm going to go with Gabriel Martinelli simply because I like his initials. Look, three Arsenal players picked in the top nine picks in the Gavin Jules draft. That is, impressive. that is very impressive indeed. And my last pick then, and the number 10 in our draft, will, will be... Oh, you're going to go for Anthony Gordon, aren't you? Ah, you know what? Yeah, I, it's Anthony Gordon, isn't it? I had Mudrik in mind, but I think I'm going to go Anthony for... Gordon. Anthony Gordon, say it, say it, say it, say it. Anthony Gordon. For Kefren Turan. <laughs> All right. Oh, my boy. My boy Turan. All right, so recapping our top 10. At one, I take Bukayo Saka. At two, Jules takes Kvaratskhelia. At three, Jules takes Rodrigo. At four and five, I take Enzo Fernandez and William Saliba. At six and seven, Jules takes Moises Caicedo and Urien Timber. At 8-9, I take Gonzalo Ramos and Gabriel Martinelli. And at 10, Jules takes Kefren Turam. Now, Jules, one thing that immediately, immediately stands out for me. Yeah. And this, we, we, we'll, we'll see, get a sense of this is a deep draft. But I think last year's draft, substantially more talented. I agree with you. These are some of the guys we picked last year. Erling Braut Holland. Yeah. Vinicius Jr. Yeah. Aurelien Schwameni. Yeah. Phil Foden, yeah. Alfonso Davies, uh, Jonathan David, Jaden Sancho, Sandro Tonali, Julian Alvarez, Sven Botman. Yeah, that that was a good. That's class. a proper. That's a proper draft. All right, Joe. So looking at our top ten yeah. from last year, yeah. we've concluded that they're better than this year. Um, if we had to do this again with the order, who's trending up, who's trending down, we would presumably still have Holland at one. Yeah. I'm assuming. Vinicius, we would have ahead of Foden, yeah? Yeah, I agree. I think so, too. Uh, Alfonso Davis, we had in four. Easy trending down. Is that, does that still seem right? I think the injuries a little bit. I mean, the, the, the fitness problems that he's had. And uh, an average season last year, I think it's fair to yeah. say. Maybe the World Cup in between and the disappointment of not doing maybe a bit better with Canada. I, I think, you know, the interesting thing is when I look at this list... 
because you could say the similar thing for Shorman yeah, as well. Totally. Um, Vlaovic, definitely yeah, last average. season. Anthony Same. also, and again, maybe he was a victim of his transfer fee, or whatever. Maybe, but, but still. It, and obviously, the number nine and ten, we have Botman and Tonali, who had really know, good seasons. Had, had, well, yeah. Botman more than Tonali. Yeah, but but I think yeah, both are good seasons, right? I think this also speaks to the fact that at this age, these guys are really, really inconsistent. And yeah, there's a lot of things can that can go wrong for you. Yeah, but I think at that age, so like, let's say, 22, 23 years old, if you're very consistent, if you're consistent, you're already amongst the best in the world, like Vinicius and Haaland. And if you're not yet, because your maturity is a bit later or some, you know, whatever, like, like a Foden, for example, or the, the, the environment around but, you, Foden is not world-class, right? He's got a world-class talent and he's got world-class potential. But right now, he's not world-class. He would not be in the Ballon d'Or list, for example, to, to take, a, to take a, an event that could be a bit similar to what we're talking now. Right. The other, like Haaland, Vinicius would, would be in that. And I think Chouamini is a bit the same. And, and down that list, a lot of them have world-class potential. Not many of them are world-class, world-class right now. Looking at this list from last year's class, is there... All right, give me two guys who you think are... No, if I say, if I say two guys you could think are dead certs to be at the top again next year you're going to say Holland and Vinicius yeah. and we're all going to agree yeah, right yeah yeah so you need two guys most likely to drop out of a hypothetical top 10 list knowing what we know now two guys who you think are most in danger so I wonder if Afonso Davies has maybe reached the His ceiling yeah in the sense that I don't I, I can't see I'm seeing I'm seeing I'm watching him play I don't know how much more he can improve tactically you know and I think the the, the pace and the technical ability will take him to a certain point. I, I just don't know. I think there's more from Foden to come. There's more from Chouamini to come. I'm not sure how much more from, from Alfonso Davis. I would love him to, of course, even get to the next level. I think if Vlaovic plays in a team that actually plays football, that would help him massively. I yeah. still believe in him. Anthony is the other one. I'm, I'm a bit skeptical. I have to be honest, Manchester United fans. I've got a few question marks over what Anthony's future and the progression and where you can get to i would agree with you when it comes to anthony i think also because the situation that that he's in he's already very young at manchester united he either becomes a starter and a major contributor mm -hmm. at manchester united but he can only have so many seasons in which he's kind of growing right in which he's starting but not really being yeah. a difference maker because those two wide positions and Eric Ten Hag's 4-3-3 are crucially important. Yeah. You can't have any passengers. So uh, I, I think he's just going to be under a lot of pressure there. And I think just even in terms of technical ability, all-rounder, right? A guy like Vlaovic, you're always going to bet on because of the athletic ability and the mm -hmm. technical ability, even when he has a stinker of a season like he had this year. A guy like Anthony another winger can come along. I mean, yeah. There's a lot of wingers Definitely. out there, as we're seeing from, uh, from this year's list. All right. Now, last year we only drafted 10. Yeah. You ready to go? We go bigger this year. We're going to go big. We're going to go 11 to 20. Uh, you have pick number 11. You picked Kefren Torham. Uh, number 10. Number 10. 10, yeah. So who's your man at number 11? At number 11... I've decided to go for Benoit Badiachil from Chelsea. Oh, going diff 
Picking another defender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, him and Timber, perfect. All right. Uh, whatever, whatever floats your floats your boat there, Jules. Um, all right. Uh, in my case, I'm going to go with. I'm going to make it easy. I'm going to also pick a Chelsea guy. I'm going to go with Mikhailo Mudrik. And the thinking is, I'm doing it based on potential. I'm doing it based on the fact That's that he's a project, enough. right? I agree. We were all so excited for him. He had yeah, very six, much so. Six bad months. You know, there's a war going on in this dude's country. He's in yeah. a new world. He's doing stupid things on social media. He's still young. I'm with um, you. I would have picked him next, to be fair. So. I will have a gamble on, on him. And, and then I'm also going to go... Uh, I'm going to go with Manuel Ugarte for my other one, Sporting Lisbon. Um, he P gets a ton of hype. PSG, you mean? No. And now, obviously, obviously one of your boys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm surprised you snubbed Fagioli, and I will tell him. I will tell him how you disrespected oh, his Nicky name. Nicky Beans. Nicky Beans. Nicky Beans. How you disrespected his name? I still leave it. I, I will leave him for you to pick. I will go as my next pick for. So I, 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 so this one is Manu Kone, pretty straightforward. I think he's an amazing talent, um, great kid, Paris born and bred, of course, of course, which helps massively. Like a lot of my boys, actually, uh, for the French ones, or the, the French in this list. And the next one, who is one of my uh, shushus, you know, one of my favorites, I would go for Santi Jimenez. Ooh. I'm a big fan. Give us your thinking on Santi Jimenez. I just like, he's a big guy. I like the goals that big big strikers score, like he does. And I think he's, he's, he's got that. I like the hunger that he showed. I liked how quickly he adapted to European football, coming over to Feyenoord. But I think he's got really good feet. I think he's got a good understanding of the game. And obviously, he's a, he's a no-1, so he's still very young. There's a lot of room for improvement. Stay another year, maybe two maximum in the Eredivisie, and then a, a bigger club will come. But I think he's got everything, the mentality, the physique, the technique. Okay, he's not as quick as Vinicius, but I don't think he needs that so much. So I'm, I, I've got really high hopes for, for Santi Jimenez. All right, with my next pick, I'm also going to opt for a big striker, albeit a guy who's coming off injury. And this is one of those picks, and you can say that I'm a bit romantic about it. It's one of those picks where people who've been injured get picked based on what okay. on the glimpses oh, they I show see before. where you're going you know where i'm going with this one yeah. step right up the big man armando broja i know not everybody appreciates him but i certainly do he is my pick at number 16 and at 17 i'm going to pick our first goalkeeper okay and it's going to be trubin because he is he's a bit special he's been what a starter for what, three four years now yeah yeah i mean absolutely absolutely remarkable and you know the guy that you can imagine being there for for a long long time yeah so my last two picks now uh before you go last gabby on the 20th i will go for michael olize i think again uh the step up from the championship to the premier league has been great with crystal palace uh, and I think really there's no limit to him. I can't wait to see him in the under 21 Euros with France. And by the way, a lot of those kids will be playing in the in the Euros that started yesterday on Wednesday. So I, th I don't think you can watch in on UK TV. However, somehow or certainly maybe just the England games. But yeah, I was flabbergasted that I could not find it yesterday, uh, or maybe I didn't look properly. But for me, Olize has a really great future ahead of him. And 19 is Anthony Gordon, right? <laughs> Sorry, Anthony. Maybe another time. Maybe another time. It's just 
didn't really work out for you. They moved to Newcastle. You didn't play much the second half of the season. So there's no Anthony Gordon in my team. Uh, there's none. However, there is one of his former teammates because I'm a big fan of Amadou Onana. And Onana is my last pick. I think he's a wonderful talent. Again, has everything to become a top, top midfielder. So Onana is... You use the word team. talent a lot for people who I would say are mostly... What? Mostly blue-collar guys. Nah, come on, come on. Onana is the talented... He's not blue-collar. Onana is a talented guy. He's played at the World Cup. Like, he's, what's, what's blue-collar? What, blue-collar young? means more of the hard-working, nah, run-around nah, midfielder nah, nah, rather nah. than... Who's blue-collar in there? What, on, Onana? Who's, who's more talented? Kone? Kefren Turam? Kefren Turam is a wonderful all-around player. Who's more technically gifted, Onana or Charles de Ketteler? Ah, oh, are you going to ah, go for CDK? I'm tempted. CDK. I am tempted just to be vindicated. But no, no, I am going to go make an emotional choice and ah, I will pick go. my first Italian on the list. The only um, one, I think. Well, Martinelli was eligible to play. Nah, for Italy, come but, on, please, know, we, we please, could have taken please, him. Please. Take the um, only one. And so I am going to go for Nicky Beans, Nicola Fagioli. Like, it's not just the quality. We've had people playing, you know, who play pass the ball around at a pretty midfield. But, but the guy has an edge. Not like Gavi has an edge, mm-hmm. but he has a different sort of edge. And, um, yeah, no, I, I, I am excited for, for Nicky That's Beans good. to see what he can do next year. And I'm excited that Juventus are realizing, hey, look, some of these kids that we spend a ton of money True to right. attract and develop, right. maybe we should get them into the starting lineup. Um, shout out to those we didn't pick. Just quickly from my yeah. list, Jacob Ramsey was close. Yeah. Uh, Fuller in Flo Balaga, no love for him. Yeah, it was close. Nico Jackson, despite his 12 goals for Villarreal last season. Charles de Ketelet, sorry, bud. Um, and Myron Boadu. Yeah. A few years yeah. ago, Byron Boadu might have been. Yeah, not anymore. Shoe in top 10. Yeah, yeah not he's been He's been sliding yeah. a little bit. Ignacio as well from Sporting. We had Malik Cho from, from uh, Milan, of course. That could have Maybe been. we're just influenced by the Maybe, awful performance last know. night. Thiago Almada, just to say hello to all the MLS listeners. Uh, he was in my list somewhere, Almada, yeah. too. Kubo. Kubo was on my list if we're going to be Kubo. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Billy Gilmore? Mm. No. No. No, no, sorry. Not this All right, uh, that brings us to an end. Share your thoughts. We can find out uh, who's right, who's wrong, and maybe in 12 months we'll do this again. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, enough draft silliness. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gab. Uh, this was a bit of a bolt from the blue. 
Milan Sandro Tonali on his way to Newcastle United. Wow, I have to say I didn't see this one coming. Gabi Otori, incredible deal. I think for Milan, 80 million for Sandro Tonali. Okay, I think he's a wonderful player. I think he had a good season, maybe even a very good season, individually certainly, but that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's good for Milan because, as I will ask you next, they will, can reinvest that amount. And I think Newcastle are getting a really good player. I thought Bruno Guimaraes had that position under control, mm. but maybe they want Tonali and Bruno together on the pitch and maybe change a little bit the way they're playing. Great, let's see. I can't wait to see how Tonali adapts to the Premier League how the team plays around him. He's a very talented I, kid. I think sure. given his age, he's the captain of Italy's under-21 team that are, that are playing against France, France in a couple hours. Exactly. Um, that, that I think it's a fair fee. It's 80 million, including you bonus. You think it's a fair that's, fee? That, that's Milan's asking price. I think Newcastle offering a little bit less. It's hard to tell it's in this a market. a lot of money for a midfielder. For a midfielder that could last you the next 10 years? No, maybe. You maybe. Know, I'm just um, saying. Like It's... You know, I think if you're Milan, you have to take it. Oh, know? yeah, 100%. 100%. And Gab, how are indeed Milan going to spend the Tonali money? So everything's pointing towards Davide Frattesi, the um, the midfielder from Italian international already to fill in. I think he's a different player from, yeah. from Tonali. Uh, but I think in some ways he can be a good fit because if, if Benacer is going to be kind of your deep-lying playmaker, Frattesi can make the runs and mm. mop up around him. Um, but they're not done there. They also... They've been strongly linked with uh, Marcus Turam as well, who, yeah. of course, is, is a free agent. Yeah. And then there was this suggestion, since they've been doing a lot of talking with Chelsea, because they've been linked with Pulisic and whatever else, that, hey, what if we get Lukaku? I oh, yeah, that's like a Zeta, yeah. Yeah, I don't Some think page. it's going to happen. I think if you're Lukaku, like, you've got a relationship with him. Yeah, he'll be like, loyal you know, to like, yeah, yeah, I don't I see agree. that happening. Um, also, I don't know they'd want to spend all that money because you still have to spend if you take Lukaku because you have to pay his wages yeah. Yeah, yeah. and the loan fee. Ilkay Gundogan uh, to Barcelona is expected to be done today. Jules, two years plus an option for another. Is this a good deal? Assuming, of course, that they can actually register him. Yeah, yeah, they um, can. And from the city end, is Kovacic for 25 million a good replacement? I like both deals. I think for Gundogan, he's always dreamt to play for Barcelona. I think Xavi was a bit of a, of a hero, a model of his a few years ago. So it makes sense. And he wanted to see something different after Germany and England and winning everything with City this season. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. He's 32 years old. This is potentially a three-year deal, the two years plus one. This is the kind of deal that you don't like at all. Maybe even less, I guess, if you've got financial problems like Barcelona have still right now. So let's see. And they, it's not like if they had no midfielders whatsoever. Yeah, let's see if they can register him. I think it's a good point about the midfield because why is with Kovacic, he just slots into that Gundogan. Uh, that's a different great sort of player. Yeah, but it's um, a great deal. But makes sense. Here, um, I wonder, because you assume that De Jong, poor De Jong's got to start, right? Yeah, surely. And you assume Pedri is a nailed on starter yeah. as well. Does it then mean that Gavi plays in that weird hybrid position and then the third guy is... Maybe they still want a proper number six, like a proper holding midfielder but to you replace Busquets. You need a holding midfielder, that's what I'm going to say there. Maybe it'll be your buddy Eric Garcia. Oh, hey. 
<laughs> Speaking of Barca and City, Joao Cancelo uh, is almost certainly gone too after falling out with Pep Guardiola, of course. But is there some tension a bit between Xavi and Pep over Joao Cancelo? This is a weird one. So obviously Joao Cancelo had a difficult six months at Bayern. Yeah. He's back. Uh, we assume City are going to move him on. There should be a market for him also because I'm assuming City are going to contribute to his yeah. wages. And I think he's a phenomenal footballer, but it's just me at this stage. But Xavi came out and said, oh, City wouldn't let Joao Cancelo join us in January. And Pep came out and addressed this on Monday and said, oh, I think, I don't want to say Xavi's been lied to, but he's clearly misinformed. We didn't care where he went as long as he didn't sign for Manchester United. Um, So someone is lying. Well, or is misinformed. Oh, misinformed. I wonder if maybe the thing was, I'm not sure... Could Barcelona have worked out a deal to sign Joao Cancelo in January, given the financial restrictions mm, yeah. that they had, even on loan? Yeah, yeah. The Kai Havertz to Arsenal deal is imminent, Jules. So attention shifts to midfield, where Thomas Partey and Granite Xhaka are on their way out. Yeah. Um, and the targets are Declan Rice and Moises Caicedo. I think those are upgrades. They are. <laughs> but they're both really expensive. Yeah, as well. So what do you make of Romeo Lavia as an alternative at 50 million? I think it's a really good alternative. For of 50 course. million. Wait, I mean, Donali's too expensive at 80 million, million. but Romeo Lavia at 50 million. Oh, well, this is I mean, fantastic. I'm not saying that 50 million is the right price for him. I'm saying that he's a good alternative, if you would let me finish. <laughs> okay. The price tag, I think, because you buy from another English club, it's a premium, like you do with Rice, like you do with Havers, when you buy from English clubs to English clubs. I think it's, there's always that to take in consideration. I like Romeo Lavia a lot. I liked him when he was younger. He was obviously this huge kind of prodigy uh, and I think the season that he's had like bar the injuries at Southampton in a difficult team I think showed the talent that he has so if he can get Rice or Caicedo one of the two plus Lavia this is a really good um, reinforcement in midfield if Partey and Chaka goes and I think Havertz the idea is also to play him as an, as an eight on the left of that midfield three so Havertz on one side Odegaard on the other and then your defensive midfielder Rice for example or Caicedo or even Lavia so this is the idea like moving Havertz back into midfield yeah 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 like an attacking midfielder on that like sort of left half space yeah all right, all right. I, the, I don't think he would play yeah. every game there, but I think this is part of the appeal for Arteta he is to, the, sign, to sign Havertz. He is the best on earth, after all. And he, he, Arteta thinks that Havertz has so much talent that he can play in a lot of different positions very efficiently. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see for. I think I'm right to saying that City still have a buyback option on Romeo Lavia at 40 million. Yeah, that's right. I, honestly, I if I were City, I'd take him for 40 million. And. Uh, and build the air to Rodri. But hey, it's yeah, just me. Maybe. Rafael Guerrero, Midwine, is in Munich right now on the verge of joining Bayern as a free agent. You're a big fan of him and of the deal. I am, because he's a free agent. He knows the league. Uh, you weaken an opponent. Yeah. He showed that he can play in midfield a little bit. I don't know if he's going to use him in midfield or at fullback. He knows, he knows Tuchel very well, obviously. He knows well. Tuchel well. He's worked with him before. Hopefully this knocks the Kyle Walker to Bayern deal that you love so much. I don't think so. He's still ball. coming. No, yeah, yeah. He's but, still coming. Um, I don't know what he's going to do with all these defenders. I mean, Guerrero can play midfield, but then you've got you got a lot of midfielders there all of a sudden, right? Yeah, Lima, Goretzka, Kimmich. And the Gravenberg, who's Graven- complaining. Yeah, Gravenberg is going to go, I think. I would hope so. Mason Mount to Manchester United moves a step closer. Jules, the Athletic reporting that United have upped their offer to 50 million, including bonuses, and Chelsea dropped theirs to 65 million, including bonuses. So, meeting the middle, so, 57.5 million, including some, bonuses? Something like that, I think, Gabby. It would get there. There's 100% agreement already between Mount and Manchester United, um, which is not a surprise. And then you just. 
need to find um, a way of getting an agreement with Chelsea who need money, we said, but the money is coming in with the harvest deal, with maybe the deals with Saudi Arabia clubs. And I have to say, Chelsea are selling better than I thought they would. So I think the Mount deal will go through probably around, yeah, the 55, 57. And I think everybody would be happy with that. It's amazing when you hire actual specialists in recruitment and selling that exactly. what they can do. You know, Jose Mourinho has been banned for four games by UEFA for calling referee Anthony Taylor an effing disgrace after the Europa League final. <laughs> Uh, that they lost uh, well, a few weeks ago, I was going to say. Is unfair to you, the four-match ban? Is it so, not enough? Is it too much? So first of all, if I'm going to tell you, we drew the final. Then we didn't win the trophy no? okay. because it was on penalties, but we drew the final, right? Okay. That's what Mourinho would say. Um, I'm surprised it's not more, to be honest. He's got prior, he's got precedent. You can't go and do that. You can't do that. And he knew he was on camera. So for yeah. me, it's pretty open and shut. Belgium beat Estonia 3-0 in their Euro 2024 qualifier. But Jules, the big news is Thibaut Courtois. Oh, wow. I mean, Gab, I think this is an incredible story. I think it's a story that has been underreported, really, because not giving the brain... Uh, for this international break. So Tedesco goes like, listen, no KDB, so Lukaku is going to be the captain for the first game. And then Courtois is going to be the captain for the second game that we have against Estonia. Um, Courtois, not happy at all. Not happy, I don't know, don't know if he was not happy that he was not captain for both or that he should have been captain for the first game. I, I, I don't know why. Doesn't sh- does not even turn up for the second game against Estonia. Don't show up, Gab. When everybody's there, everybody's at the, the training leaves. ground. It's just, I think they had a day off, maybe the day before, and just never came back. So you're like, wow, okay. So Tedesco is asked about it, obviously. The story leaks very quickly. Tedesco says this is unacceptable, and I think rightly so. Whether you're a young player, an experienced player, a key player, not a key player, I don't care. You can't, you just can't do that. So I'm gonna admit my bias here. Uh, even though Tedesco is of Italian descent, yeah, of Tedesco actually means German. So those things kind of even out. And I'm a big Thibaut Courtois fan. I want to hear Thibaut Courtois' version of events. So I tell you. So we- then Thibaut Courtois said that Tedesco is lying, that basically he had some sort of injury, that Tedesco didn't understand his point. So now he's also accusing his own national team head coach to lie, to be a liar. What does Tedesco have to gain from lying about Courtois? Nothing. It's just That's like, you know, what was organized was Lukaku captain first, Courtois captain second. Courtois never showed up for that second game against Estonia. More like, yeah, I, think I, I think it's amazing. Wow, it is remarkable. Yeah. And I think there's more to come on this. Yeah, surely. Tony Cruz has signed a one-year extension at Real Madrid, Gabi, and Dani Ceballos is also expected to sign a longer one for him, of course. We're waiting on, on Luka Modric. To know what he's going to do. And Nacho, by the way, has also been announced today, but we knew it, that he's also extending his deal. What do you make of all of this? So I love the Ceballos bit. Uh, I think that totally makes sense as long as it's at the right price. It sounds like they decided, all right, Drew Bellingham's here, but we're going to keep the gang together for another season. Except Eden Hazard and Mariano Diaz. We hope. I I don't see Mariano coming back. Surely not. Um, But it is interesting. I I think, look, Florentino knows he needs to rebuild this team, right? Because the players are all getting older. But he's got Carletto another year. Evidently, he's pushed the transition on. I would have transitioned sooner if you had the opportunity. I can understand why it hasn't happened. Once you've done that, might as well go all in. in. Keep Kroos, keep Modric if you can at the right price in whatever capacity you can do. Um, But And Nacho as well. 
Ceballos, for me, a no-brainer. I think he earned another card. I agree. Card. I agree. More Euro qualifying. France beat Greece 1-0 in Paris as Kylian Mbappe scores from the spot uh, after having to retake the kick, incidentally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jules, this must have been a thriller. <laughs> yeah. It was, but you know also what it was. I mean, Greece was not very good. Gus Poyet, a friend, was the manager. There was not much. La radio, Gustavo Poyet. La radio. But you know who the referee was? Who? It was his last ever game as a referee. Oh, please say Mateo Lajos, please say Mateo Lajos, please say Mateo Lajos. Mateo Lajos. Oh, he yes. Was, he was dreadful. One of the worst performances I've seen from a referee, even from his, himself, <laughs> in a very, very, very long time. Well, you checked out. No penalties given. It was just like, it was, so he gave one. I mean, he had to give because Mavropanos almost like literally chopped Griezmann's head. This former Arsenal star, Mavropanos? Yeah, yeah. Who had had a really good season in Germany? Signed by that German guy who wears sandals with socks when he was there with Raul Sanieri. I'm sorry, sorry, Arsenal fans. I don't want to bring back trauma. No, but Mavropanos has done really well. Having le- after leaving, I know, before. but that guy. What was his name? I bet. Sven Mislintat. Yes, I knew you were talking about. Him. <laughs> I um, bet he had a man bun too, right? He could have had a man bun. He probably had oh a man bun, God. right? Forty anyway, man with a man bun. Right, right. Laos, right, sorry. Thank you for everything, or thank you not for everything. But I'm glad that you're gone, and that that would not stay as your finest hour at all. That last game, the Christopher and Kunku deal to Chelsea was finally made official. Gab sixty million. 6.5 million for PhD, by the way, and a contract through 2029. Well, it's the trademark Chelsea long term contracts. Um, like, we knew this was coming. Uh, apparently, they revealed that, oh, the Nkunku didn't want it announced until after he played his final game for France on the 19th. I don't understand why. Yeah, but a lot of players do that. What? Because it might somehow no, mess you the, up. Yeah, the whole your world season is over. It was a season with Leipzig and France. It's over now. And now you can <laughs> go on how he does. No, it's true. Whatever. Hey, hey uh, up to you. Look, I, I think he's a great player. I think he needs to be used in, in the right way. Pochettino's going to study him. I'll be curious to see whether he's a second striker, whether he's yeah. an attacking midfielder, yeah. whether maybe he's a winger. I don't know. Oh, oh, and you play him as a nine, as a first nine, or like a hybrid nine. Hybrid he can, nine. He can play on his own up front. Yeah, he hasn't done that very no, but he much can. for Leipzig. He can. Yeah, I'm sure anybody can. No, no, he can. Like Raheem Sterling could, right? No, but he can be very efficient. I think as a nine. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm so curious to see what Poch does uh, with these players. Not a great international break for Germany after losing to Poland. They lose to Colombia as well. Yeah, uh, Jules, these are just friendlies uh, because, of course, they're they're organizing Euro 2024. Yeah. But in Hansi Flick's last four games, they have one draw. And three defeats. And the draw was to Ukraine. Yeah, and let's not forget the World Cup, of course. What happened there? He's had a shocking time. He's had a shocking time. I have to say, I would change now. While it's not too late, because if you start next season with him, it's difficult then to not take him all the way to the Euros that you organise yourself. Why does he play back three? I would never understand. I watched the two games. They were so... I mean, the Poland one, they, they had chances and they could have been different. They lost 1-0. Colombia played, literally had fun with them. They humiliated them. And I just, I just don't understand his tactical choices. I don't understand what he does with the players. I don't understand that back three. There's a lot of things that I really, really don't get. And I just wonder if he's yeah. one of those managers. Some are really good national team head coach. This is what they like. You don't have the players every day. Maybe that's not for him. I don't know. But 
they're so bad right now. I mean, but he's been the national team head coach even before with Yogi. Yeah, but Miller, he was an he's, assistant. He's different. But the thing is, he's been on the inside. You should know everything about the job. And and it's strange. There's so much negativity around it on the back of these results. And I, I'm generally somebody who always says, all right, the friendlies, who cares, right? Look for individual progress. Mm, but yeah. when you see performances like this, and this just seems to foster more and more negativity around the team. So I think it is something that they have to... But Rudy Fowler, who is now the, the national team like general manager or whatever, he's been there six months, he's blaming the players more than, than Flick. So I'm not really sure where they're going together. Prosecutors in Turin have said that they're not investigating Juventus over the inflated transfer swaps. That cost them a 10-point penalty in Serie A. Gab, is that, is that big for them? Is that relief? No, it doesn't really make a difference, to be honest. And I think this story, a lot of people, again, this is complicated, but I think it's worth mentioning. So the reason Juve were uh, given the 10-point ban from the sporting perspective, on the sporting side, is that uh, they were found to have behaved unethically yeah. by setting up all the swaps. So it's not that the swaps or the Pusferense are illegal per se, but when you do it, with the stated goal of gaining an advantage on paper in the books, um, then it becomes illegal. It becomes like a conspiracy to do something unethical, mm. right? Now, we can debate whether this was proven or not, and the fans will say, no, it wasn't, blah, 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 whatever. But, but that's what they were found yeah, guilty for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is a criminal investigation. This is a criminal investigation, and they're being investigated for uh, a range of things. Um, including including false accounting and so on. What they found was we cannot prosecute them on these swaps because there's no fiscal implication to it. There's nothing. Okay. That's all it is. Um, so it doesn't. They're, they're, they're two separate things. But people love mixing these things up and, and going and going crazy and and so on. There's there's people who flip out when Juve get the ten point penalty. People then flip out when Juve go and plea bargain in the other trial. Yeah. I, people need to chill out on this, okay? <laughs> like, this is a criminal investigation. It's going to go. It's going to take forever. People were angry that, oh, why is this taking so long? This season? It's a criminal investigation. It's, that's why you did two different things, sporting justice and criminal justice. So the bar for evidence is far high in criminal justice. I don't know what evidence they have. I personally, my impression is I don't think they're going to get, I think they're going to be fine with this one. I think they'll have a serious problem with the other one, with the false accounting one yeah. and the undeclared bonuses. But that probably won't come to fruition for another two to three years. That's how slow yeah. criminal justice moves in Italy. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. N'Golo Kante is on his way to Saudi Arabia, as we said, but in his farewell message, he talked how his family had to face, quote, rumors and lies, Jules. What's he talking about? He doesn't talk much, but what no. he does... This is, this is a really interesting story. Uh, that, again, was big in France, not so much over here. Um, and Golo Kante, the sweetest man on earth, really. Uh, but the problem is when you're a footballer and then you're sweet, there's a lot of people around you that are trying to get involved as your agent, maybe, or your PR person, or whatever, try to get onto deals. 
so to talk on your behalf and then that creates a lot of tensions between sometimes your own family sometimes maybe the guy who was your your first agent or maybe another agent that you had before and you can't really control what's around you and I think with N'Golo that's exactly what's happening he grew up in a in a council estate in Paris or just in the suburbs of Paris and I think a lot of people saw him becoming a pro as a way of making some money and I think there was people around him that were not really nice people I think there's been a lot of stories and whether they're completely true or not but you know people tell you stories about people threatening or being very menacing that kind of stuff around N'Golo well, Paul Pogba went through it yeah, as well right? Paul Pogba and sim- in a way similar things him and his family so I, I would think he referred to that and that maybe going so far away is trying to go as far away as those kind of problems are still going on right now uh, but to be fair, only Angola knows exactly what is happening, what's been happening around him and his family. It's it's a tough one, and I think it's interesting you choose. It's to, very common. He, he, we all have heard stories anecdotally. Yeah. It's interesting that you would mention it like this, and without an explanation like yours, people are like, "Oh, what's he talking about?" You know, because the problem is from a media perspective when you do this. Remember. We reported it. There's a lot, you know, there was a moment when it looked like he was going to get a new contract at Chelsea yeah. and so on, and then it doesn't happen. Well, you don't explain it. People are going to say, oh, is he having a go at Chelsea for maybe promising a contract and not taking it, whatever, or not having, you know. And if this is the reason, it's got nothing yeah, yeah, to do exactly. with Chelsea. I would think when I read the statement and when I read his message, that's what came to my right. mind straight away, knowing the story really well. But there might be something else. I don't know. But yeah, it, for me, I put two and two that way. And then Jeko will leave Inter on a free transfer this summer and join Fenerbahce in Turkey. Gav? Um, He's 37, yeah? Turkey's kind of like the Saudi Arabia of (laughs) Europe. (laughs) Um, Look, I think he showed last year that he can contribute, not for 90 minutes, but he's a tremendous professional. He's a super, super smart player. Yeah. Good luck to, good luck to Fenerbahce. Obviously, you know they, they'll want to get back to title-winning games exactly. after finishing with a third this season. Yeah, I think. yeah. So um, hopefully he can contribute there, play good football. He could and enjoy it because he needs to enjoy it now. He needs to enjoy the last few years. He's not. He doesn't have. Yeah, much on the wages he was on, there's no Inter. Gonna, yeah, yeah. Inter, we're going to keep him. Yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo scored the late winner and won his 200th international cap for Portugal in their one-nil win over Iceland. Jules. I thought that was return. I thought it was really nice. I mean, to to be to get to the 200 uh, international game is is incredible. He's only obviously. 157, I think, behind Christine Lilly. Yeah, exactly. And Christine Sinclair. Uh, and Christine Sinclair probably not close. And in terms of goals as well, but he scored again right at the end. He was fly for offside and Var had to intervene. And in the end, he celebrated. It that was goal. so sweet because first he's saying like, "No, I wasn't offside." No, no. Was no and then and then the referee says, "Calm down, Cristiano. We have VAR." He's like a little kid when he's sitting exactly. there waiting, waiting. The guy, the guy has scored like eight hundred. He scored like seven hundred goals in his career, and yeah, he still gets that excited when he scored against Iceland away. So, you know, well done to him. That was sweet, Cristiano. Yeah, exactly. Childlike Cristiano. Yeah. Gareth Bale was asked about what Leo Messi should expect in MLS when he comes over into Miami. And he said, well, they accept losing a bit more in, in the US than in the rest of the world. There's no consequence. You know, they, you can't get relegated. Is that fair? Or? I think it's true. I mean, certainly it's the feedback you get. Nobody wants to lose, right? Don't give me that line like, oh, it's okay. They're okay if they lose. 
I think if you speak to like Garrett Bale doesn't talk much, and when he and I've been very critical in the past, but when he does talk and he's honest about it, I don't. He was comparing it, putting it in context. He says like you know, at Real Madrid, you lose a game, it's the end of the world. Yeah. In MLS, you're not going to get relegated. You know, a lot of teams make the playoffs. You're not going to, you know, there are passionate local fan bases, but they're not going to show up outside your your house if you're Neymar, yeah. right? Um, so in that sense, I think there is less pressure. There's going to be less pressure on the environment. Now, obviously, if you're Lionel Messi, you still put a tremendous amount of pressure on yourself and whatever, sure. and that's fine. But it is a different environment. And we've had the feedback from people who've worked in Europe and the U.S. I think especially, I'm going to get into promotion relegation, but it does impact things. I mean, we've heard a million stories, I mean, from f- from different people about how, gee, what happened? From Nadim himself, right? Yeah. What happens? Like, oh, look, we're out of the playoffs and there's 10 games to go. Okay, now what? Like, yeah, but know. that happens in the Premier League as well. When you meet table, you're safe and there's five I games don't think to it go. happens to this. I don't think it happens to this degree. I don't think it happens to, at least anecdotally, from what we've heard, especially when it comes to players who, I mean, it might be different for players who are competing to keep their spot on the roster, but if you have a contract and all of a sudden, you know, what difference does it make if you beat Minnesota United so that you can finish, you know, one spot above, one spot below, makes no difference, right? If once you're out of the playoffs, once you're, you know, it's... This is the kind of thing that happens. I don't. Yeah, think but it's gonna... again, you can say that in a lot of leagues in Europe as well. Once you, if you know you you're can. not going to go down and not going to go into Europe, then you finish 12th or 11th. Right. But Gareth Bale played his entire career for Southampton, avoiding relegation. Tottenham trying to get into top yeah, four. Yeah, true, true. And I mean, Messi's played for Barcelona and Paris Saint Germain, competing for titles. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, used yeah. to that yeah, yeah, yeah. level that, of pressure. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what he's talking about. Yeah. Barcelona were finally able to register Gavi as a first team player which means you'll get to wear the number six shirt next season Jules no more number 30 for him I mean I kind of like it to be fair but number six is very special of course it was the Chavis number it's special at Barcelona I think for Gavi the responsibilities that he can take over it's good that's the number he wanted that's the number he gets Yeah, it's good I get that this is part of me also says man now that we've gone away from the 1 to 11s, and we've done that a while back, if you've got a number, keep your number, right? I, there's a part of me that says, but 30 cool? is like I'm going to write the story of number 30, right? But 30 doesn't make you, even if Messi and When you think of the number 23, who do you think of? Yeah, but... When you think of 23, who do you think of? Michael Jordan. No, I think of Marco Materazzi, of course, who wore number 23... Michael right. Jordan wore Ask number me. 23 in honor of yeah. Michael Materazzi. Okay. Yeah. Angel Di Maria is going back to where his European adventure started. That's right. After 13 seasons, he's reportedly on his way back to Benfica. I don't think anybody has been harder on Angel Di Maria than I have no, in the true. last 12 months. That's true. Um, I always talk about the romantic stories. Wouldn't it be great? You know, if it's really make it romantic, go back to Rosario. You've made enough money, yeah, Angel. Yeah. Sure. Um, but, you know, we live in the real world. Uh, so yeah, go back to Benfica. I'm curious to see where he fits in, given the style Benfica played last year, which is rather dynamic. Yeah, and the intensity. Di Maria is not quite no. as dynamic, but but it's nice. I think Benfica fans, you know, get to appreciate him again. I think he was there for three years, something like that, before he went to Real Madrid. Yeah. So I I, li- I like these homecomings. Marseille have a new manager. Yay! It will be up to Marcelino, who had been out of work since 2019, which I think is kind of scandalous because he's a really good manager. I agree, I agree. It's going to be up to Marcelino to fill Igor Tudor's big shoes. I'm assuming 
Tudor being big and tall has much wears much bigger shoes. Yes, than I think they will have to swap the sizes. Marcelino, very good friend of Pablo Longoria, of course, the Marseille president. Uh, that's where the link is. They worked together before a long time ago at Huelva, uh, also at Valencia, of course, where they were they were good and kind of successful. Let's see. I think there was a lot of people not so sure, like a lot of Marseille fans, not really convinced about him. Maybe the name was not big enough for them. If you compare to Marcelo Gallardo, for example, who was also in the conversation. Yeah, if you compare to Igor Tudor, but, with all due respect. Yeah, no, but a lot of, I think a lot of fans would have kept Tudor at the club. Right. And I think it's a big blow again uh, that he left after just one year. So we see, but the pressure on Marcelino would be huge, not just because he's the, he's the guy of the president, and he's also there because he's the president's friend, one of his right. best friends. So he'll have to hit the ground running very, very quickly, though, to be fair. Tottenham need not one, but two goalkeepers while they wait on David Raya. They're very close to signing Empoli's Guglielmo Vicario. Yeah, deal reportedly around 20 million. I think, you know, yeah. just waiting to, to rubber stamp it. Um, it. It's an interesting deal for me because Vicario, I thought, was exceptional last season in Serie A. Now, playing for Empoli, completely different because you're playing for a very small team. Yeah. Small team that likes to attack, so you face a bazillion shots. He's been... I thought he was really, really good. Is he ready to be a number one at a team like Tottenham? Probably not, which may be why they're still pursuing David Raya. I do wonder, are they going to get the two of them, is Ange's idea to get the two of them to compete against yeah. each other for a starting spot? You know, what's right for Vicario? It's always, when you make the transition to smaller team, to bigger team, and you're still young, there's always that question, all right, I'm going to have to accept to be number two for a while. Right? Yeah. And then... How long, well, like, is there a pathway for me to be number one? Um, I don't know. And by the way, on David Raya, Brentford, from what I am led to believe, hanging in there, they want the to million. cough up yeah. every last penny. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This was way back on Monday, but Bournemouth sacked Gary O'Neill. Andoni Iraola will be replacing him. I thought this is a bit odd, and there must be a backstory to it, which I don't know, because O'Neill did really, really well with very limited resources. He kept them. He kept them up. They spent a lot of money in January for him to keep the team up. You know, Watara, uh, Zabani, there's a lo- there was a lot of new signings in January. And I think, despite staying up, it's not because you keep a team up that, you, you know, you're the right it's man. Bournemouth, the Bournemouth don't belong in the Premier League based it on It doesn't matter so much. It doesn't matter right? so much. I don't think they believe that it could... It's not... It's, that it could, them f- could take them forward, sorry. I think certainly... In, Iraola, it was a very, he had some really good season. Arroyo Vallecano took that team really well forward. The, the style of football, the personality that he is, he speaks English very well. He was very heavily linked with the Leeds job after, after um, they signed Javi Gracia, or even, even before that. Didn't happen. There was a release close to pay for him to get out of Spain. I, like, I have to say, I like this deal massively. Yeah, look, I'm not... Iraola, I think, is, is a very good manager and he's was ready for, for the step up. I am surprised, but then I guess, you know, Foley just had a success in the, in the NHL and, you know, maybe yeah, wants to replicate. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know where I, Bournemouth can go because I, it's I, a, they, they play in a shoebox. No, OK, but Iraola is a better manager than Gary Onion, right? 
He's got more experience. He's yes. a better manager than you. I know. will give you that. Right. I will give you And that. by the way, so now the Basque manager, like Lopetegui, Arteta, Emery, Nati Raola as well in the Premier League. It's incredible. Four of 20 from that tiny, tiny region. Our Basques. You see? Deco announced that he would be shutting down operations at his D20 players agency, uh, which represents, amongst others, Fabinho, Tapsoba, Rafinha. So he doesn't, he's not an agent anymore because... Because everybody assumes he's going to become Barcelona's next sporting director. And so obviously that would be a conflict of interest. Now, what Deco doesn't explain is what happens to these people? What happens to his orphans? You go on his website, there's like 80 players there. So are these guys just left out on the street? I'm Uh, sure no. I'm sure. I think it becomes very difficult to cut ties. You assume, again, I don't know this. I don't want to be shaking around legally, but I don't think they just said, like, all right, we're turning off all the lights. All these people who work here, all the lawyers, all my assistants, you guys, all go home. You're free. Yeah, you're free. Rafinha, go sign with somebody else. There is going to be some recirculation, and it's not necessarily going to. You know, it's, it, the relationships aren't going to go away. He just won't be profiting from them. And that's a nasi- necessary step because if you work for a club, you can't also be an agent. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, except, uh, uh, unless, except you're, uh, unless you're Portuguese. Yeah. Sorry. Patrick Vieira is now being linked to the Leeds job along with <laughs> Scott Parker. I mean, Scott surely. Parker's cardigan with the funny letter on it. And Daniel Farker. Wolf, Come wolf. On. It's a good place to start over. I think it's a great club. I think it would be really good for them. Uh, obviously, trying to bring them back up, and which is not going to be easy. We know the championship is a very difficult league. We're not going to go over that. He was keen on the US men's national team job, of course. Didn't get it. Triple G um, retained it, in a way, or regained it, even. But but I think it would be good for Leeds. I think it would be really good for Leeds. He's got good experience now. He's, Wait, he's ready for it. I haven't spoken to him yet, so I don't know if he's keen or not. I should have maybe. Okay. I'm being unkind on Daniel Farker just because. Come on. He doesn't look like a manager, but he is a manager. And he has a, you know, his last job didn't work out, but he's a track record. He's taken teams up into the Premier League and and whatever else, right? So is Scott Parker, I guess. He's won promotions too. Come on. But I, I just don't understand. How do you get a short list of where these three three guys are? You're the three people you're interviewing. How does that? I don't know. I really wonder about the process. Yeah, yeah. There. No, I agree. I agree completely. I thought the same. Juventus have complaining the permanent signing of Arik Milik for six, I think it's 6.3 million euros and 1.1 million euros in bonuses, I was told yesterday. This was always going to happen, right? He was on loan there from Marseille. Yeah, he was on loan and like, you know, a shoestring, he can do a job for you. He, if he plays regularly, he'll get double figures and say, yeah, which is yeah. what Juve need to do. They need to find money somewhere. It's a bit of an insurance policy in case Vlaovic, you sell Vlaovic, which, you know, I think they would, they're very open to doing That's at the, the idea right now. price. Yeah. You keep Mozi Kane and Milik and you let go Vlaovic and you make money on Vlaovic. Uh, yeah, which isn't great, but, no, you know, but Milik does a job. Milik puts in a shift. I, I, I don't think he's a bad player to have if the price is right. And no, this price is right. Xavi Simons is rumored to be on his way back to Paris Saint-Germain from PSV Eindhoven. Jules, Paris Saint-Germain, they put in a 6 million euro buyback clause That's right. when they sold them. So this should be straightforward unless... And but you have to convince him to. He want doesn't to come want back. to come. But I mean, he's, <laughs> it's not that. It's not that. His point is like we don't even know who the manager is, so he can't make a decision. It's Luis Enrique. Oh yeah, but it's not confirmed. He hasn't. Well, <laughs> Luis Enrique hasn't spoken to any of the players yet. So I think which, it makes a lot of sense for Xavi Simons to wait until he knows who the manager is, can speak to the manager. If Luis Enrique said, "I don't want you back," 
he's not going to come back, right? Or you you bring him back to then sell him on for more money than they did. Uh, you know, when he, I mean, he left he left on a free to PSV Eindhoven anyway. So I, I I think that's right for him to wait and see if Lucien Riquet said, listen, I really want you here. This is how I'm going to play you. I, so then 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 yeah. But not now. Not now doesn't make any sense for him to make a decision. But it's just this buyback deal. If he just doesn't want to go back because he doesn't trust it, like maybe Neymar yeah, stays he won't go. or whatever, and there's no... If he doesn't want to, he won't go back. He, he can decide. They can't just bring him back, like force him to come back. <laughs> but I think he's right to wait for to know who the manager is and speak to him before making any decision. Xavi, it's Luis Enrique. Yeah, but he still hasn't spoken to him. You can tell him like he's, you know... Chavi, right. message me. I'll pass you Enrique's number. Chelsea continue to be linked with the Villarreal striker Nicholas Jackson, who has a 35 million release close. Gabby's 22 and scored 12 La Liga goals last season. Is it what they need up front? And by the way, he was that close to signing for Bournemouth in January and he failed, he failed his medical. That's why he didn't go. Yes, that's right. Um, I guess they look at this and they look at accumulating assets, right? 22. On a team that finished, what, fifth last year, yeah. Villarreal, 12 league goals, not a bad return That's at that age. Yeah. Um, he played he played a lot through the middle, but he can also play he can also play wide because obviously Chelsea don't have enough wingers. Um, I mean, maybe would he be a good partner for Nkunku in the front too? Maybe that's what they're yeah. thinking. I I don't know. I think it's interesting. They're looking at this as a like a value signing, it feels. Because if there was no release clause, how much would you spend on Nicholas Jackson? Yeah, I do think that the release clause is, is really decent. It's really decent. For a player of his age and that ability, you would sell, we talked about Romeo Lavia earlier, 50 million. It could easily be a 10 million, 10 million more than that, I think. Maybe because he's a forward, I don't know. I, it, it, does not, it does not excite me. No? That way. No. Okay. Okay. Speaking of excitement, you and I are more excited than most for the under-21 Euros yeah. that kicked off Wednesday, Jules. Uh, what's it out for you? You know what? I think if you look at all the squads, all the teams that are involved in this tournament this year, and it's an under-21, but don't shout at the television when you see a lot of them who are already 23 years old because the edge was at the start of the qualifiers two years ago. So obviously now those players are still allowed to play in the, in the final tournament, although they're 23 and not 21 anymore. You get me? Um, However, I think the players are incredible from... If you looked yesterday at the, uh, the Belgian-Netherlands game, for example, which was an outstanding game, although it finished nil-nil, they missed a lot of... Everybody missed a lot of chances, but from De Ketelaar to Openda to Gravenberg to one of the Timber brothers... How good Taylor. was De Ketelaar? Ah, yeah. How good was Charles De Ketelaar? The Verbruggen in goal was outstanding. So all, all of them. And then France, Italy, we mentioned Tonali before. France have an incredibly talented squads uh, and again England have a wonderful squad too Spain we saw yesterday as a lot of those players like Alex Baena for example are already playing in La Liga week in and week out so it's an incredibly high playing field is that what you say like high standards it's the high standards all of that so do watch it I, really I don't know if you can watch it in England but you can watch it in a lot of countries you can find a way of finding the games but the, the Italy front from tonight Thursday night is really really interesting on paper so yeah it's good. Sergio Mane scored twice as Senegal beat Brazil 4-2. Yeah, that's right. It was only a friendly, but still, big win for Senegal. Gab, reason for Silly South fans to be concerned? No, no, not at all. It's not it's good to lose. Friendly, it's summer. It's not good to lose. You, you did the other game against Guinea. You wore the black shirts. You made your point. You were in, they, they, were, they, they played this game in, in Lisbon. Yeah. 
you know, sign some autographs. Now roll on the summer. <laughs> Honestly, these these front like, people complaining about the Nations League, but there's something at stake in the Nations League. This, That's you know, true. this is as exciting is as the about the Argentina Indonesia game, you know, or the yeah 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 or yeah. The, the the you know the, the, this this is what it is, and I think I think Brazil will be just fine, and they will have their new manager, and it may or may not be uh, an Italian guy. Arsenal have suspended sales of their 2023-24 official kit. Uh, yep. while, which commemorates the Invincibles. Jules, it seems like their supplier, um, should I name them? Uh, I think it's a big brand that rhymes with Batidas, uh, <laughs> kind of screwed things up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More than that, Gab. So as you said, it's to celebrate the Invincibles. This is 20 years of the season, 03 or 04, obviously, when they won the league without a single defeat in it. So it's a lovely idea. You, you bring a shirt back and you've got on the shirt some tribute to that season 20 years ago. Some, you know, like things like that, except that a season, as you know, in the Premier League, lasts 38 games, right? Usually, yes. Not less than that. Not 36 or 34 or 32. So... They would have to reprint, redo the shirt. So what, they had the a list of the results and they had missing? Yeah, the, the, I think it was the famous, you know, um, so 12 draws and the 26 right. wins and the zero defeat, obviously, or something like that. But I think he stopped short at 34. And fans actually apparently picked this up. Yeah, you picked this up. So, you know. I, I, I'd be angry too if I were Arsenal. Yeah, I agree. A friendly between Qatar and New Zealand was abandoned at halftime the other day, Gab, over claims of racial abuse. Yeah, so this wasn't racial abuse from the stands. This was between, between players. Between yeah. players, yes. New Zealand's Michael Boxall uh, complained just before halftime to the referee and to teammates that he had been he had been racially abused. Uh, when the referee didn't take action, uh, the players just walked off. New Zealand said, "Well, well we're not going to continue because you're not taking action." Mm. Um, the guy he accused of, of, of accusing him, the Qatari player named uh, uh, Yusuf Abdurisag, he issued his own statement. He denied it, uh, that he'd racially abused him. He said, in fact, it was Michael Boxall who racially abused him. And, like, I have no idea what happened. But I think when it comes to racist abuse between players or alleged racist abuse, and by the way, you can Google these guys and, and get a sense for yourself what might have been going on here. Um, if the referee doesn't hear it, I think there's almost nothing you can do. Yeah, right? it's word against word, I guess. It is yeah, It is it's... a pure word against word. If teammates on both sides don't come out and say it uh, and, and don't come out and testify in a credible way, I don't know how you resolve this. Mm. Um, it's certainly, I think, a very, a very, very ugly situation. Yeah. Jules, that brings us to an end. Oh, man. I am going on holiday. You are. But you're going to be back on Monday with Nate and Manua. Right. How about that? Yeah. Until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks. Predicting upsets. Winning my bracket group. And leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One.